Hello and welcome to Design Untangle with me, Chris Mears, and over there is Carla Lindarte. How's it going? Hello, you just said, with me, Chris Mears. Yeah, you're always with you. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not going to change the intro because I paid $9 for that intro as well for a script writer, so... <laughs> that's all right. Oh, $9? That's quite good value. Yeah, well, it's a short speech, isn't it? And quite crap uh. as well. Oh, you're so mean. Only to myself. Um, How's the bank holiday been? It's been really, really good. Very productive. Um, Lots and lots of things to do. So I'm very tired right now. Um, But yeah, but committed to this. Yeah, of course. We can technically say that this isn't going out late, even though it's like two hours before Monday finishes. But, you know, still claim it, I think. Anyway... No, we're not anyway. I haven't finished talking about my bank holiday. Oh. Uh, so I went on a steam train today, which is quite cool. A steam train? Yeah. Do they still exist? Yeah, it was like a heritage railway thing up near where I live in Epping. And they kind of maintain this bit of the track where the central line used to run. So they just have like two or three stops and you can just ride it up and down. Oh, that's pretty cool. <clears throat> that's much better than my, my um, bank holiday. I was just in Ikea since 9.30. If you go um, before 10 a.m., they give you a free hot drink. So you can have as many coffees as you want if you arrive to Ikea uh, before 10 a.m. Yeah, well, you need quite a lot of coffee to get around there, don't you? I'm surprised <laughs> yes, exactly. you, you've even made it out this early, to be honest. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was good. Great experience. All right. So what are we talking about on the podcast today? So we are talking about prototyping. Um, Do you know what a prototype is, Chris? Uh, No, I don't. Do you want to tell me? No, I have no idea either. So I don't know what we're doing today. Okay, might Um, as well play the outro music. (laughs) No, a prototype, in my opinion, is, um, and I think it could be anyone's opinion, it's just an early concept, is a testable item, whatever that is, whether it's a... A piece of paper or a digital product or a concept or a process is something that you test before you actually um, pilot and then launch. Um, so it's a way of learning early whether or not you are making the right or wrong decisions. Do you agree? Um, yeah, kind of. I think it can also be used as a sort of stimulus material as well. So as a way of giving people or users something to think about whilst you're doing more exploratory style research. So I don't think it always necessarily has to be a view of what the end goal is necessarily. Yeah, that's true. It is not the end view, obviously, but at least, you know, a flavor of what that it could be. I agree. Good. Um, <laughs> so... There's a couple of different types of prototypes. I think the most common sort of two sets are paper and then digital prototypes, but there's also service prototypes as well, which we'll touch on a bit later. Um, Paper prototypes are really sketches of an interface, usually on paper. Um, They can be used just to show people, get their thoughts. They're definitely not usability level prototypes but you often have the researcher or UX designer whoever's running the research 
acting essentially as the computer. So you might show someone a dialogue box sketched out on a piece of paper and, you know, you ask them what they would press. They click OK. Um, you would then act as the computer and show them kind of the next paper view of the UI after that. So it's quite a, a low cost and fast way of pulling together what an interface might look like. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the the various types as well, like you could um, do it just with a piece of paper, but some people, if you're more talented with crafts and stuff, you can actually, I've, I've been in projects, for example, in Australia, there was a, a girl who was really good at making them. She actually created the devices and then a way of slipping through the piece of paper, which represented the screen, which were really cool. Uh, I might maybe share some of the photos with with uh, with the people in the notes. Um, so they're actually very good. They're, they're more kind of high quality paper prototypes. But yeah, I mean, the idea of it is just to um, get some of your initial thoughts um, a bit more tangible and share it with either users or stakeholders to um, get the initial opinion of what they think about that. Um, I wouldn't uh, use paper to prototype to, to kind of prove or disprove a, an actual proposition or a completely new product. I'll just use it to actually learn more about the, um, the, the users and learn more about, you know, whether or not you are heading towards the right direction. Yeah, I think they're really useful in the, the earlier stages of your thought and design process because, you know, they're quick to create um, that's not to say that you shouldn't put thought into them as well, because you're obviously going in there to try and prove or disprove some sort of assumption or hypothesis that you've got. Um, but they're quite nice to just sort of have as a visual thing that's stuck on the wall or whatever. So it helps bring the team along on the design journey as well, which is another benefit of them over potentially a digital prototype, I would say, which is hidden on some file system somewhere. Yeah, I actually have um, a friend, uh, her name is um, Diana Mundo. She's actually very good at prototyping concepts of like experiences as well with paper and um, clay and Play-Doh as well. So she's actually, um, she's a UX designer and in Sapien Racer Features. She recently ran, she showed me, she showed me some pictures of a workshop of how to move away from decks and presentations when you're trying to sell an idea and do something a bit more um, interactive. So she uses lights and she uses different things. So it's quite interesting to experiment with other materials, um, you know, outside of paper to try and, you know, bring your ideas to life. And if you're passionate about that, it's actually a very good um, state, the, the, the initial state of, of design, which is the, you know, when you're kind of coming up with concepts and testing and getting people's opinions of what you think is actually a good, a good stage in the process for you to do that. Yeah, I think that leads on a little bit to the whole, I was going to talk about it a bit later, but maybe we'll just talk about it now, which is the service prototypes, which is something maybe you haven't thought about necessarily yet but particularly in government when you are designing services it goes beyond just kind of mocking up a screen and seeing how it goes down it's the entire experience someone might have so calling the call center or going into a particular branch or whatever um, so there's lots of different kind of things you have to do to be able to prototype that service so you might be 
your prototype might actually be a call center script or something of that nature. Um, I don't think there's, I haven't seen at least a kind of one size fits all way of prototyping services. I think it, it's very much a case by case basis and you do have to think outside the box a little bit to work out ways you can test some of your ideas about how that service might work. Yeah, actually in um in uh, the company I work for now, They've, they use um, sometimes like landing pages, especially for in, internal services. So they create a landing page for a product, a service, right? And that talks about all the different things that this service does. And before they actually create a service, they actually test the appetite for people to actually sign up for it. And I've been, I've been reading and listening about how to prioritize services because currently I'm trying to do that at work. Um, I can't really talk about it, but the idea is to to help create a completely new service. That, but before we actually change the whole process of how they, are, you know, we operate currently, we need to see whether or not it's going to work. So, creating what, what we call like fake landing pages, which is ne- not necessarily a fake landing page, but it's just the page to summarizes the key features of your or of your product or the key touch points of your service, and then see if people would sign up for it or not. That's another way of doing it. Um, running, um, for example, AdWord campaigns as well to see if people be interested in certain service that you are trying to offer. Um, as you mentioned, like running a script for a call center for a week that is different to the service that you know the the script that you you currently have. So there are many different ways depending on the service, um, and then you can use any even creating videos as well. Um, one uh, um, designer I know was talking to me about um, creating a video for uh, a future app that is not just going to be an app but a complete service for a retail client so they actually created that video that shows the, you know the entire uh, service offering um, to test it with people so that's another way of doing it yeah thinking back to some of the work I've done probably can't go into specifics but one of the prototypes for the service involved someone joining this portal essentially and then a member of staff like a customer service person would then video call them um, and actually engage them in the whole welcome chat so the sessions ended up being a mixture of kind of your more traditional digital prototypes in Azure or whatever Um, but then it also involved a prototype of a video welcome call as well Mm, so that was quite interesting that's pretty cool yeah that's i mean storyboarding as well um which is kind of a way that you can prototype an an end-to-end journey but then if you come up with a storyboard um and just print out all the different stages that a user or persona is going through and then you have a group of people talking I mean to kind of tell them the story of what this person is actually doing and and getting their feedback as you go through that could be another way I've actually used that in the past with a retail client and it's actually quite good because then um, you kind of make it as a story uh, that you tell to people you stop in certain points of the story and then you get people talking about it it's better when you have a group of people because it, it kind of creates more conversation 
to you know you ask people about whether or not they think that scenario is realistic or whether or not what they you know what how much they would pay for that particular service etc etc and then you can gather insights in the context of a particular journey yeah i think the point here right is prototype is a very broad term it's easy to think of it as your standard exure or envision mock-up but you really need to think about what are you trying to test because ultimately it is a way of testing something um, and there can be multiple different approaches to get those answers. It doesn't always necessarily mean headphones on and 18 hours straight of Exure. Don't be constrained by thinking that it's just an Exure prototype. There really are many different avenues you can explore to get answers to your design questions. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and it's so valuable, like having any way to visualize or make it basically what you're looking for a prototype is the tangibility of your ideas. So yes, there's a lot of talk about what we want to do. Yes, a lot of talk about we want this um, solution to do this and that. But um, it's just until you prototype that people start realizing what it is. Um, Yeah, there's also the question around what fidelity prototype you should use. Paper is obviously on the lower end of that and you can then move up to basically fully formed interfaces at the other end of the scale. I would say the latter, you're probably fairly sure about what design direction you're going in. You're looking to pick up more usability points and refine the design, whereas when you're on the lower fidelity end, you're still in exploratory mode. You want to iterate quickly and test out new different ideas very rapidly. So I think those kind of questions come into play when deciding what fidelity you want to take forward into your user testing. Yeah, I mean, talking about digital prototypes, you could, I mean, in the days of balsamic, when we, you and I used to use balsamic, because I'm sure you you use balsamic one day. Um, And then it's evolved so much now that obviously you can create a whole, you know, very interactive app experience with things like Flinto or Principle or, you know, um, you know, things like that, tools that are very easy to use and actually can have all these interactions embedded into the user interface. So you can easily drag and drop, uh, you know, a swipe or whatever interaction you want and it is in your prototype. Um, I guess there is never a what's the best tool or worst tool, I guess. I think in my mind, I think it's all about what you feel comfortable with. If if you see, and that happened to me once, I mean, I, you join a team and you know everyone is using Sketch. Um, and yes, I'm saying you have to kind of pick up on the new software and try to learn it. But then if you have a delivery um, and you know that you won't be able to pick up pick it out and learn it and do it as quickly to deliver something just do it in the tool that you used to um i mean i wouldn't really recommend balsamic anymore but then if you if you can use axure or you can use envision or you can use something like that i mean just go for it and and do it and then try if you're working within a team with everyone is using sketch try to learn it later on um but don't focus too much about the tool i mean i worked with a lot of 
UX designers that were always asking, oh, what is the best tool? What is the best tool? And to me, it's just whatever you're comfortable with. And I do think it's very important that a tool encourages collaboration. So it's easy for multiple people to work on it. It's, it's easy for clients or stakeholders to give feedback as well. Um, you know, and then there is a lot of tools out there that allow you to do that. Yeah, I think it depends, like you're saying, a bit on skill set as well. So stuff like Sketch, I know, is good for people with a bit more of a UI focus so they can do the design and they want easy ways to get those designs into prototypes straight away. But if you're not so UI focused, you're more of a pure UX designer, then that's fine. Um, use whatever you need to to get that experience happening. So I'm, I'd say, more in the latter camp. So I often work with UI designers who use Sketch and they will export stuff into a way that means I can get it into whatever tool I happen to be using to create the lab prototype. So as Carla says, do what you're most comfortable with. There's always a way to create something useful and testable. Don't get too hung up on the latest fad or software because chances are it'll be out of date in the next year and there'll be some new thing. Just make sure that it gets you the answers you need in the lab or in your user testing rounds. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I know Envision are doing very cool stuff. Um, before I left Sapient, um, I knew about this new Envision Studio tool, which basically replaces, as far as I remember, replaces like Photoshop or Sketch for visual designers. And you can actually do prototyping and you can actually export everything so developers can get all, um, all the access they need. And so it's quite cool, um, you know, solution. I'm not sure how realistic it is because there is a very cool video on their website I haven't used it myself but I mean it is good to kind of keep up to date with the tools but um, I mean a UX designer or UI designer is not the tool they use it's just about who you are and how much you can actually achieve with whatever tool you're using. I still think though that actual is such a good tool maybe you might call me old-fashioned but I think Axio is for me one of the best tools because you know you can have teams working on uh, um, together with projects you can do interactions you can actually do prototyping um, in much better ways than Envision. Envision will be more static um, it allows you to do more and I also like the you know the adaptive views function which is for websites for responsive websites so it allows you to do all the different the, the three or four um breakpoints in one so it's quite a good and powerful tool for me and also it allows you to export all the specifications as well if you wanted to you know to have documentation that these days they say you don't need documentation but then you still have offshore development teams that might need some uh, functional specs so i mean i, I still love Axure. Maybe, <laughs> and they not pay, <laughs> and they're not paying us for this, by the way. <laughs> yeah, well, they should, because I'm gonna agree with you. Um, <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> I still use it. I haven't found a situation where its feature set has not allowed me to do what I want to do. So until that happens, I'm not really inclined to spend too much time looking down other avenues. There may be better stuff out there, but. It works for me. I'm comfortable with it. I've even been able to create complete in-store like EPOS systems with it, which would run on a tablet. So, so far, 
I would say I'm sticking with Uxure, but I know there's Sketch fans out there and Envision fans, and that's all cool. <laughs> Do whatever works for you, but I'm going to stick with my dusty old Uxure <laughs> for the moment, personally. Yeah, I don't do prototyping anymore, but when I used to do prototyping, I really loved um, Axure. It was the best tool. Yeah, but sometimes I have to say as well that if you have a front-end developer in your team and you have access to devs, it's even much better to have a developer because, you know... um, they are able to build something so quickly. They already got some frameworks that they can use, uh, like a responsive framework. Um, and it's just much easier uh, sometimes if you have the luxury of working with developers all the time. And then you just focus on the interaction and focus on the design and focus on the the you know the copy and the content rather than focusing on the dynamic panels of Axure that sometimes could be a bit painful. <laughs> Love focusing on those panels. <laughs> um, yeah, like in government, they've got a fairly robust framework and pattern library, so it's very easy and simple for front-end developers or anyone who knows a bit of code to pull together a prototype quite quickly. But when you're looking at app interactions maybe or stuff that's slightly more complicated than the stuff that they would do on gov.uk which is essentially forms by and large then yeah it's definitely worth having some development resource available if you can Mm. yeah i remember i did a project once and i before i worked with a developer i was wasting so much time doing prototypes and once um he joined the team it was amazing like we could build things so quickly um, that, you know, sometimes it's just worth doing it and to just focus on the important stuff and testing it and put it in front of users and stuff like that. You've got to love prototypes. Yeah, I have done a lot of prototypes. I think it's one of those things that's it's not about the tool as with most things in UX. It's about choosing the right level of prototype, the right type of prototype to answer your design questions. That would be my little Chris quote that you can take away and stick in your pocket. (laughs) Oh, you know what else? I think Keynote is also a very good prototyping tool. They've got very, like, cool interactions that you can easily put together. Keynote and PowerPoint. uh, PowerPoint, if you don't have access to Keynote. Um, And you can do a lot of interactions. And there's a lot of tutorials um, online, actually, on YouTube of how to use Keynote for simple, you know, um, interactions and prototypes. So just do that as well if you don't have access to anything else um, because you can put them together very quickly. Does Google yeah. like you plugging Apple and Microsoft products? Yeah. she didn't mention Google Slides there. <laughs> oh, no. Well, I have to say that um, I do have a Mac for, at work, but still getting used to kind of move away from Keynote because of my whole life I've been using PowerPoint and Keynote. Um, and slides is a little bit different, even though you can do a lot of stuff with it. Um, I'm still, I'm still learning it. I have to say. I also, the fact that you have to use um, everything, like uh, sheets and docs and everything for work. I kind of, I was used to using Google Docs and stuff like that for my personal stuff, and now I have to use it for work. And then you have all the tabs open, which is a bit annoying because you have to navigate through tabs. Yeah. But anyway, so it's a bit of a different. It's a it's a bit of a cultural shock, but going through it right now. Yeah, I'm sure you'll get there eventually. Yeah. Uh, so have we got anything else? I don't think we do, do we? 
No. Just do what you want, basically. Just do what you want. And if you have any questions, any feedback, any criticism, anything you want to say to us, please do it in our um, on our channels. We don't have to collect the channels anymore, do we? Well, we do because we haven't paid anyone to say them. That'll be another oh. $9 down the drain. Okay, so there you go. You go for it. All right. Uh, Twitter at Design Untangled, individually at Chris underscore Mears underscore UX and at Carla Lindarte on the web designuntangled.co.uk. If you fancy leaving us a review on iTunes, that would be sweet, even if it's a crap one. Yeah, and don't forget to subscribe as well because then you will get all the latest episodes hot off the press. And I can also mention the thing that I teased last time which was our new partnership we're doing on the uxmentor.me slack channel uh, which is with ux for change which is an organization that kind of helps charities tap into ux and design resource to solve problems so it's a very good cause and we're offering after event support on the slack channel for that so you don't just go to the event and then leave and then that's it it's going to be ongoing and hopefully that will help charities connect with even more UXers across the globe and help solve some problems for good, social good. Great. So that's my little announcement. That's really good. All right, Chris, I'll see you very soon. And please, any, I'm just going to say this, any um, ideas for future podcasts, please let us know. Uh, you can use a Slack channel or any other channels that Chris just mentioned. Um, if you have anything in specific you want to learn about, please um, let us know. If we don't know the answers, which I'm sure we won't, we'll try to find them. Yep. All right. You've got responsibility of pressing the outro button this time. So see you later. See you later.